According to the bio he wrote, Gabriel Rutledge is one of North America's finest touring stand-up comics. He has appeared on Comedy Central and is a past winner of the Seattle International Comedy Competition. Christy Rutledge is one of North America's finest stay-at-home moms. They have three kids, they're married, they swear a lot, they're the Rutledges. Hello, I'm Gabriel Rutledge. Joining me this evening... Hello, I'm Gabriel... Did you forget your line? I didn't know I was supposed to. I thought you were going to introduce me. Like, joining me this evening is the amazing Christy. I still... Every time somebody is about to enter now... You made up a new word. Internounce announce something i think of john travolta announcing at the oscars and he's like trying to be i don't know like have some pizzazz and he says and now our next performer the wickedly talented adela dazeem <laughs> idina menzel but but the way he, like, the whole thing is so cringy because he's, like, the wickedly talented. It's just, I I don't, like, it's so hard to be in show business, especially now. Oh, I know. <laughs> you had that dream shattered long ago. Uh, but do you know what I mean? Whatever it is you wanted, like, if you move to Hollywood, become an actor, to get to the point where you're a household name mm -hmm. seems impossible so you would think two things you would think the most talented would rise to the top or you would think the most attractive would rise to the top right john travolta is neither of those well i think in his younger days he w <sighs> what was he good in he got a lot of critical acclaim for saturday night fever okay but he was like 18 i think i mean he looked 40 in it but <clears throat> um he just seems void of talent i haven't uh tarantino kind of took him off of the uh he was kind of i don't want to say washed up but well, he'd he done all the look who's talking <laughs> He, he'd taken that franchise as far as it could go. He was a talking... <laughs> took it further than it should have gone. I mean, for who movie, are we kidding? For a movie about talking sperm? Yeah. I mean, then the ba the pets talked after a while. <laughs> like, I don't know. Their final movie was, who's not talking at this point? <laughs> could you use a little peace and quiet around here? Oh, God, it was so bad. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's just amazing to me. I mean, the guy's been in some. I didn't even watch the movie, but like gaudy. Even the trailer was like, "Is this a joke?" Well, I think so. I think I saw him in Saturday Night Fever, but that was the seventies, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was way too young to be watching that. Um, I saw him in Greece. He was he fine. Was, oh, barely. Well, it's. I mean. You don't have to be that great. Um, I saw him in The Urban Cowboy, but 
I don't know if he was good or not. And then I don't remember. And I mean, he's not, he probably is not, he probably shouldn't have gotten big. Maybe it's his chin. I also think he has the biggest face. Like, I want to see him in person. Like, and just be like, dude, like your face is, I mean, I don't know how like long a face is. I've never measured like, say maybe from behind the ear to behind the ear. You could ask but, the doctor next time we go in. Do you do face percentiles? I bet his face is like four inches longer on each side of his head or wider, I guess. I mean, it's just the man is all face. That would, that reminds me of my favorite fa- family slam where I went to someone's funeral. It was great. And, and, uh, and someone was like, you look just like your Uncle Tom. You're both so full in the face. <laughs> I'm like, what? fuck off, lady. That was Aunt Betty, wasn't it? No one wants to be curvy in the face. (laughs) (laughs) She's got curves in all the right places. Her face. Um, That was the funeral where I wore my slippers. We got to... We got to... Well, remember, we were driving in separate cars because you had to go... I was coming from a different... I was working. No, no, you were going to work after. Oh, okay. And we got like 30 miles from the house. I looked at my feet and I still had my stupid slippers on and I like what Leslie brought me some but they I mean she brought me some shoes but she doesn't wear the same size so I looked like peppermint patty (laughs) there's a certain segment of my family where wearing slippers to a funeral fits right in (laughs) I just feel like I mean it was it was a hard time period and then it was just so fitting to look down and be like, God damn it, I'm wearing zebra-striped slippers. Like, not even like... Wait, who died? It was for great-grandma Meyer's funeral. Well, she's not my great-grandma. Well, she's your grandma, but I always color that to the kids. Yeah, I suppose. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway. And then we got there and we learned that you're full in the face like your Uncle Tom. I know. We're a little full in the belly, too. Do you want to just keep going, lady? You're an asshole. Uh, you know, you both have giant eyeballs, and you look stoned, and you have big cheeks, and I'm like, okay. But you know what? If this makes you feel any better... It doesn't. When I look at your face, and I think of John Travolta's face, mm. your face is tiny compared to his. I'm like a half a Travolta. I've always I mean, said that. My sister's... Half the budget, too. I'll stare on your movie for half of what he gets. When I was... We were growing up, my sisters always called him John Revolting. So it's... Jesus. Hard for me. That doesn't even make sense as a joke. John Travolta. John I mean, Revolting. Re- Revolta would work, but... Oh, we weren't that old. I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by um, Yawns and Diet Ginger Ale and regular Crown Royal. Is there Diet Whiskey? No idea. So, sharks. <laughs> what? I mean, does whiskey have a lot of calories and fat in it? I don't think it has fat, but it definitely has calories. Huh. Not a crazy amount. 
But uh, if you're if you're doing no carb, you can drink whiskey though. Well, <laughs> but I am uh, I'm doing all carb on an all carb diet. <laughs> what are you googling? I want to see. It's probably like a... it has seventy calories for an ounce, but it has no fats, no cholesterol, no sodium, no potassium, no fiber. No sugar. I mean, really. <laughs> you know, if you know you... what? I'm going to take another drink of this because I'm worth it. <laughs> mm. Mm. It's really good. And refreshing. Yeah. Light and refreshing. And eventually it makes you forget about the things that aren't good. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, Augie Smith, very famous comedian. He used to do a joke that I, I doubt he even remembers. But he was like, do you think it's a sign of a drinking problem when I call alcohol pain go bye-bye juice? <laughs> <laughs> I think about that all the time. Well. <laughs> um, my album, uh, thank you to anyone who bought my album, came out uh, this week. If you um, didn't, you should go buy it right now. You can. It's still pause a... the Pause the podcast. Plenty of digital we copies <laughs> still available. <laughs> Is there is it is a digital album ever sold out? I mean, you can if you wanted to create uh, an exclusive market, you could be like, "There's only a hundred of these, so yeah, get in now." Yeah. I mean, first hundred downloads. After that, it is gone. Right. Uh, but yeah, I did. I did debut at number one. I stayed there for a while till that son of a bitch Carl Reiner died. <laughs> he lived in ninety eight. You couldn't have lived in ninety eight and a half. You had to fuck me. <laughs> I was, I was number one, and then he died, and he, and apparently there's Carl Reiner albums because then it was like, for like I don't know the next forty eight hours or so, it was like six Carl Reiner albums and me. Have you considered how fast you would shoot up the charts if you died? Uh, yeah, I don't think that would have worked. <laughs> I don't think that would have worked. I that's so interesting because if a celebrity dies, I don't think. I didn't go to iTunes. <laughs> you wouldn't think so. But also, he's not even a comedian. So these are things from like with Sid Caesar, like show of shows and like mm. it's sketches and stuff from TV. They're not stand-up comedy albums. But I also think it just proves how few albums you have to sell to be on that list. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I was on there. Uh, I'm still, as of right now, I'm number uh, 65 or so. So I'm I'm off the chart pretty soon. But... Um, I hung in for a while. Maybe we could, people could do a resurgence. Like, let's get Gabe to number one again. I don't even want to ask people. I don't want to promote anything anymore. Because <laughs> people get too confused. <laughs> well, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Like, hey, thanks for uh, all your help, but I need more. <laughs> I want to go back to number one. Um. Uh... It is kind of funny when you like, think about. Oh, uh, go ahead. You were ahead of Weird Al, though. I, mean. I did when I was number one. Weird Al was number two. Weird Al, by the way, is always at least three or four spots in the top one hundred iTunes I mean, comedy that's charts. So that fast. guy just shits money. That guy is never stopped. Do you think he really does? He literally diarrheas cash. <laughs> well, diarrhea would probably be like what? Never mind. <laughs> what would you think it would be? Nothing. More of a coin? 
feel like that would be coins. Diarrhea is coins? Yeah. It's looser. Yeah, but if you had diarrhea <laughs> and you heard like clink, clink, I mean, that's a serious issue. Don't you think if you pooped and it was a cat, like a dollar bill, that would not be a serious issue? I heard cat, and yes, cat. it would be a serious <laughs> issue. Cat. <laughs> no, I mean, it's all, look, What if you have anything in your diarrhea other than diarrhea, it's a problem. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to my medical advice, um, but that's, uh, per- would you knock it off? God, I'm sorry. It's your problem. Life. It's going well. Yeah. What was the word you mispronounced in the beginning? In- introduced and... I I don't know if I can blame this on the pandemic or I'm just having a low-level stroke that's lasted months. But I can't... There's so many words. Like, if I, if I say... I don't know. What's an example? If I say, like, uh... uh um... Oh shit! What's it like? Uh, fruit Loops, and I'll be like Loop Fruits. I'll say it backwards. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think it's just general anxiety that makes me not be able to talk? Like, I don't know what is going I on. I feel but... like I've lost my mind. I feel like I'm always tired. Um, and I just generally don't feel great. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> So life is going good. I should point out I'm not your doctor right now. I can't prescribe anything. I know. Damn it. I'm kind of mad. I'm mad at myself that I am um, that way because I also, I'm like, okay, it's, uh, we're sort of in the routine of this chaos. It's like, I know what life is right now. Uh Why am I still, what, what do I, not that I don't have anything to be anxious about, but it's like, it's not like week one where you're like, what the fuck is happening? So it's like, I want to tell myself to just calm it down. But I, everyone I know is like at least low level anxious as hell right now. Well, it's just the unknown, you know, it's just, what are we all waiting for? I'm not entirely sure, but it's, and so it's like. A vaccine or Jesus to come back. Those are our choices at this point. And. Yeah, I mean, so it's just, I just, it's just such a, like, I don't know what's, I don't know. Yeah, but you didn't know before. I, but I knew there was some things I knew. I knew my kids were going to go to school. I knew on days I didn't work, I was going to put them on the bus and go back to sleep for like two hours. And it was the best sleep. 100 I mean I slept so fucking hard the time of my life I had the sleep of my life and it felt so good and then I would get up and I would like be able to like do stuff around the house and go to the store and I I mean it's now I don't know anything I haven't been alone in my house um, I, you know, you go to the store for like quick spurts, like you don't browse cause it's creepy there. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just, 
there's nothing. I don't know when my kids are going to go to school. I don't know what anything's going to look like. Yeah, I and, guess my point is like because I'm with you. Like <clears throat> I, I understand all those things, and like same with my career, and same with my everything. But it's like, shouldn't we be getting used to the unknown at this point? But it's it's hard to get used to like just so much. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's nothing to look forward to. I think that's the other thing. Like, there's like, you know, like, uh, I've been looking forward to like, we were still going to have camp. Um, that I volunteer at a camp. Right. And they moved the date to the end of August and we were going to have camp at the end of august and so i've been like oh i cannot wait for camp it's gonna be so nice and then we got an email from the director and he said that the county that the camp is in needs to be in phase three by july 23rd and it's not gonna happen i don't yeah i don't see how that's gonna happen and and so I'm like, oh, there's another thing. Not yeah, like just it makes me sad. Like it's just everything. I don't know. I just I wish. But the problem is, even if you win, it would have sucked. Why? Because of the way everything we get to do is this haunted house version mm. of what we used to do. Right. You know what I mean? It's like because I don't even get to go. Like I'm doing a comedy show. <laughs> I'm back. It's I'm I'm scared of germs. Uh, I'm like this guy's trying to shake my hand. I'm like I gotta put, I gotta clean the microphone before I use it. Should I even be here? Should they be here? I know I don't. And know. that's what your camp would have been like. Well, you know? and I feel like, am I supposed to be doing this? Like with everything, and <clears throat> I just don't know. I just have no idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, it, and you would think like. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm just having a hard time. I'm I'm it's just hard to like keep going. I had such stamina and I think part of it is I put so much effort into the kids school into like Yeah. You did. Making sure it was successful and making sure they actually learned stuff. I'm so depleted from that. Well, I think we're hitting the point. I mean, these are things I've been kind of trying to tell you of like, we have to stop. Not by we, I mean you. You, It's it's like to like, hey, we're going to make the best of this. We're going to have fun. We're going to blah, 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 blah. That's all true. You can't maintain that for fucking a year and a half. You can't. Do you know what I mean? You can't just keep juggling to distract the children for, you know, especially in summer. Right. You know, so it's like you have to, like, you have to take a step back, you know. But it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's very, look, if it was a month, if it was two months, if it was three months, if it was back to normal in the fall, it would all be like, uh, 
you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we made up this school and we had fun and we did this stuff and it's, uh, we had the Rutledge school for quarantine students and, you know, don't get me wrong. I think years from now it will be a good memory, but it's also like, it's one thing when it's a month or two, but you can't do that for a year. You can't do it for six months. You can't because they're, they, they need you. They don't need you to like, they don't need you to, uh, uh, create constant activity so they don't realize the world's crumbling around them, but they need you as a mom and you need to have something left to give them just to do regular mom shit. And so if you're just, you know what I mean? If you're just, uh, if you're constantly going way over the top to like be the greatest mom in the history of the world, it's like, you you know, which I think you did and it's great, but like you need to take the summer off too. You know? Well, yeah. Well, I'm still here for them. I mean... Oh, I know. I wasn't suggesting you weren't, but I mean, like, um, you know, it has to hit a point where they're like, we don't know what to do, and we have to go, like, figure it out. Yeah. You know? Because it's, it's, uh, you know, again, it's like, it's less temporary than we thought it was going to be, you know? Hello. Excuse me. I know. I mean, it's just, yeah. And it's the same same thing with me where it was like, you know, the first couple of weeks after the shutdown, it was like, okay, I got a job. I'm delivering groceries. This will get us through until, th and then I'm like, I'm thinking about things and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to have this job a long time. <laughs> I'm going to have, to the point where I'm like, I hope that job doesn't go away. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's like, it's things that we thought were temporary or more permanent than we thought. And it's, um, you know, and there's also the psycho, the psychology, I just fucked up a word. There's the psychologically, uh, there's the psychology of, of almost like we'll deal with that when things get better and the mentality of we'll deal with whatever that is, whatever we'll deal with that is. I know. And it's like, if you, ah, we'll figure that out when things get better. If we do that for a year, year and a half, two years, I mean, it's, that's a, that's a psychological disaster. That's a, you know, and that's what I think. Well, it's hard because it's like some of this stuff, like, I don't know, you know, in the midst of this, I'm like getting diagnosed with ADD. Sure. Trying to figure out medications. And it's really hard to tell because I yeah. just have a low level of anxiety. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm like, I have no idea. Like, yeah, that's one of those times one of those times where you're like where they're like, is it depression when you should be depressed? Is it anxiety when you should be anxious? Is you know right, what I mean? Right. And it, it it's just Ugh, I don't know. So I you find do. yourself feeling anxious? Well, yes, doctor. There's a fucking pandemic. You know what I mean? Right. Like... <laughs> I know. I just, yeah. So everything is just so confusing and I know. Here and so. I'm not doing great either. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, day to day, it's okay. Everything's not, nothing's an emergency. I tell you what, it gives me a lot more retroactive empathy for other hard times in the world, you know, actually even now in other places in the, in the planet mm -hmm. where it's like whatever historical event of like, 
because literally all we had to do was like not leave and like a lot of the fun stuff went away and mm-hmm. you know i'm not downplaying it was pretty significant but like compare that to like i don't know a famine or a war mm-hmm. or do you know what i mean it's like it's uh i think what will be interesting is you know a whole culture obsessed with mental health because we all have, everyone has mental health problems and now we're all collectively going through something that gives you mental health problems what's the other end of this do you know what i mean uh, whatever let's say when things do go back to normal whenever that is mm-hmm. um what is everyone just grateful that it's normal again or are we all just bat shit crazy by the time that happens I think batshit crazy, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of competing, you know, a lot of, oh, well, you think you had it bad. Sure. And, you know, we don't do a very good job of that in, in our society of letting somebody express their hard time and, um, just listening and not comparing it to our own. And and I think we're just so worried that we're not going to be seen. So we, like, oh, well, you know what happened to me. And so I think, yeah, I mean, I this is an area where I struggle with people in general. Because, you know, anything happens in our world and everybody is like, call when you, you know, if you need help, call me. I'm always here. Um, no one should have to struggle alone. And it's just like, the reality is, is I think about times in my life that I have reached out to people (laughs) or I think anybody can answer the phone. If somebody is like, I am going to kill myself right now. But it's when you tell somebody, like, I am having a very hard time. People might be good for a day to, like, call and check on you, but there's not much after that. And we just don't do a very good job of following up. We want problems that can be immediately solved. And And I also think the balance of, like, the idea that people who aren't having a hard time are there to listen to the people that are having a hard time. Not that that works, but like, what is it, what happens when everyone's having a hard time? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm going like that's then we compete. It's it's either competing or we don't have it in us. Like I'm going through a hard time. I could use a, yeah, we fucking all are. You know what I mean? It's like, it's that weird. Well, yeah, because it's like, yeah, I'm super drained also. I don't want to listen to your bullshit. And it just is a hard thing. It's a it's a really hard thing. I'm just always intrigued. I'm Yeah, I'm just intrigued by how people um and so I'm intrigued. I mean, I, you know, as I experienced last week when like as I I think I talked around about my vague beef on the podcast last week was, you know, expressing something to somebody that hit me wrong and I decided to actually speak up and say this, this was hard for me and this is why. And 
it it did not get well received i've not heard a single word from that person and in that group no one has said anything about it and um it's interesting <laughs> to me because i walk away like questioning myself like wait was i a bitch like and so i think that we're all just nuts right now and can't hear the hard stuff yeah and... and it's it's interesting it's hard i think it's hard to be my problem is i always try to feel too grateful and then i don't acknowledge the bad things happening yeah but um you know it it's uh it's interesting if you've ever uh, here goes a white guy talking about other cultures again if you ever you know, I worked at a Mexican restaurant mm -hmm. for many years. I would see, literally see people who would <laughs> come to that country that week. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, they would stay and I'd get to know them. And they were my fr work friends, you know? Mm -hmm. Which is pretty insane to do. It's pretty crazy to, like, see, to meet someone who speaks zero English who had been there a week and then years later you're having full English conversations <laughs> and like it's so weird because <laughs> you tend you tend to uh, our dumb cats here stupid cat get in here buddy you, you tend to treat people who don't speak your language that well as if they're small children where you're <laughs> like that's right uh-huh burrito you know what i mean there's like i not literally that tone but you know what i mean and then it's almost like if there's a language barrier you treat each other like you're idiots <laughs> do you know what i mean yep. yes blue that's how you say the color blue you know <laughs> but then you get to and so you don't know anything of, you're like this person could be a moron or they could be a genius i have yeah. no idea because they're we don't speak enough of the same language but no but my point is when you get to know people who have had a terrible life in a different place. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, wherever that may be, war-torn areas or, uh, you know, even my child, my good childhood friend, Vu Thi, when I, it, uh, he was from uh, Cambodia, and it was like, you know, I'd be playing with him on the playground and he'd be like, oh, yeah, I had to, you know, he's telling me stories about how he had to carry a machine gun around. This is fourth fucking grade. You know, he'd been in the country like two years. But, but you know, kids pick up a new language so goddamn fast. It's, it's ridiculous. Crazy. But he's telling me he had to carry machine guns. They were so hungry. They had to, sh they had to eat snakes. And I'm like, I get bored in church sometimes. You know what I mean? I got, it's, but my point is, I don't see them struggling with depression. Yeah. So on a I'm not comparing what we're going through now to like a terrible really terrible thing that you know like a war or a child holding machine gun mm -hmm. that kind of life but it's like do are we going to get that too? Are we going to get like wow, I th I was I was depressed and I still, you know, not that it's gone, but now that I've gone through a real thing, I'm just so grateful to be alive and be around people. Are we going to get that? Maybe. 
I mean, because remember back when this first started and I was like, I can do this. Sure. This is nothing. I mean, you know, today is actually the 30th death anniversary of my dad. And... <clears throat> um, do you know what's crazy about that? No. What? I always think this is about dead people. Maybe it's fucked up. But whenever people are like, this is a death anniversary, I think... He would have died again. Well, probably. Do you know what I mean? Isn't that weird to think about? I mean. But anyway, continue maybe. your point. I mean, he was would be 82. Sure, people lived to 82. <clears throat> I don't know that he, you know. Look, he didn't he have great health. had but... to have heart surgery to get on the donor list for a kidney transplant. Yeah. So, um, but, um. So, I mean, for me, this is like, this is nothing, you know, and I do stop sometimes and remind myself, I'm not actively grieving, you know, it's not, I mean, it's not like for up the forefront of my emotions. And, um, and so maybe, I mean, maybe we will toughen up, um, because here's the thing we, I mean, in, in, like edu the education world has been talking for years about our kids need grit. You know, I hate this term so much. Like it's like this big thing that gets brought up. It's like a keyword, like, you know, we got to get our kids grit. And what are you doing to, to get, you know, install grit in your kids. And, um, and really, it's just like teaching them perseverance, right? Sure. You know, teaching them how to keep on going through tough shit. And as privileged white people, we're like looking for ways for our kids to get and experience grit. Like, I just am like, are you kidding me? Because... So if you look at this like textbook definition of ways to install grit into your children, I did it. I lived through death, you mm -hmm. know, I, I mean, and really I just have PTSD and a lot of other issues. <laughs> so sure. that like, Oh, we went too far because that's yeah. the thing I can get through anything i mean and and i've talked about this with other people because you turned me on to that one podcast and i can't remember which one it was but where they did an episode talking about their dad dying and um and the lady's dad had died when she was a teen and she said you know here's the thing i mean when you are a kid the worst thing in the world would be your parent dying there's nothing scarier than that and so then when it happens and you live through it, like, there's nothing you can't get through. And that is something that I know, like, and then I look at our kids, like, I, after I listened to that, and I was really like, oh, my God, <laughs> um, that night, Olive, like, came in in the middle of the night crying because she'd had a nightmare that I had died. And so it was like, yeah, like, that really is the, you can't even imagine how awful that would be. And so, <clears throat> so I'm like, that's like, that's going to install grit into someone. 
and it's like, oh, oops, it went too far. That was too much grit. And so I'm always just, I've gotten into so many debates because manufacturing hard obstacles for kids to get through isn't instilling grit in them. It's just being an asshole, really. I mean, and and so um, I I mean, part of me thinks maybe this is kind of a natural way for kids to learn how to persevere, because that's true. I mean, you know, obviously we don't really know the this person Vuti, but we do know. I'm, I assume he's had PTSD, though. He also. You know, the last time we knew anything about him, we went to his wedding in like 1995. So he was like our age, right? Mm -hmm. So like 21-ish. And he was a paramedic at that point, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he like, you know, clearly, hadn't he like been in the newspaper or something for helping someone or... Yeah, I think he, I don't know, someone was dying and he, like, did something to prevent it. I don't remember the like, exact details. Like when he wasn't working. <laughs> and No, he was a kid when that happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, it's just, like, clearly, like, this person has some, like, perseverance instilled in them. Like, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing, and I wonder... Because I do think there is a component to, like, we are pretty entitled, myself included. I mean, oh, sure. Um, <clears throat> and it is probably good to, like, step back and be like... Well, that's, I know, but that's what, remember, I said a few weeks ago, it was just like, okay, I learned all the lessons. I know, Let's right? Let's fucking move on. But I, what's interesting to me about, like, look, <laughs> you're a child soldier in Cambodia. That's overstating it, but still. Mm-hmm. Or your dad dies or whatever, mm-hmm. a million other. Like, those are, I don't. I don't think I wouldn't, I'm a, I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not assuming I'm going to get PTSD from coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait, whatever, 10 years from now, I'm not going to wake up in the middle of it like, I had a dream that we were in <laughs> stage one again. I don't think it's like that. No. Do you know what I mean? But, but I don't, it's also, look, I know the world is so fucked. I understand that. But I really, everyone's so, I don't know, maybe fatalistic's the right word. Maybe it's the wrong word. I don't know. But just everyone's like. Well, yep, this is how the world ends. This is, and I'm just like, I don't, maybe it is, but that's been true since there were people. Well, Do you I, know what I mean? Like, like this literally happened a hundred years ago that there was a different pandemic. Right. And, and, and it's like, those people thought it was the end of the world too. And it's a hundred years later. Like our shit is new to us, but it's like, I don't, just that attitude of like, of uh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened, and it's just, and again, it's it's both of those things. This is a terrible thing that's happening, mm-hmm. but it's also like just that idea of like, well, this is how it ends, and I'm like, no, it's worse than that. We have to get through it. It's well, like, worse than it, it's worse than the end of humanity. We have to figure out how to get through this. I think that it makes people feel 
better. Like, because then that gives them some control and that tells them there could be an end. Like, oh, this is how it ends. We're almost finished. And I think... Oh, hell yeah. If I see an obituary of someone in their 80s who died not from COVID, I'm like, good timing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hello. This is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, if you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. Uh, but if you do have a podcast... Um, I'm sorry, and you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, it's easy. It's free. Uh, they distribute everything for you. They give you sponsorship, which apparently is just talking about Anchor. I guess that's their sponsorship, but I don't want to brag, but I make, you know, maybe six bucks a month doing this. So, worth it? Of course it is. Uh, go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. We now return to another riveting episode of the Rutledges. Way to go, I mean, Carl Reiner. I mean, I'm sorry you fucked me over. But. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, I think people who are like, well, this is how it's going to end. Sorry. It's like, well, it will end. But I think this, that makes them like, ah, oh, okay. I have some comfort. I have some, you know. Yeah. But. But it, it's like, look, for 120,000 people in this country, that is how it ended. Right. But it's 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 just, um, you know, in the beginning, we had a real, we had a real moment of, like, just coming together as people. And I really was like, oh, man, so this blue and red thing isn't mattering as much. <laughs> yeah. and, we're, and that has so gone away mm-hmm. that it, it is very disheartening. It's very... It's sad, isn't it's it? It's just, it's super dis... But you know what's funny is, like, someone shared this thing about... In 1917 or 18, whenever, there was an anti-mask league. There was a group of people that were so against wearing masks. So it's like the same shit. They just didn't have we social media then. haven't changed yeah. as much. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, don't... Yeah, it's, it's definitely... You know, maybe in some ways it's more it's more interesting for me to think about what the other end of this is than think about how how long it's gonna go right. on, you know. Um This is this is back when you were talking about like my dad's been dead for thirty years mm-hmm. and um that he could have died uh many, you know, many times. <laughs> Since well, I was going to only give him one more death, but I guess well, you could say okay. he could have died 30 more times since then. <laughs> it is always so funny to me, a couple things. Like, I remember when he died, he was 52. And people be like, wow, he was so young. And I remember thinking, he was not young. He was so old. But my sister is now the age that he was. Yeah. And I just... <laughs> She doesn't seem like if she died, I would be like, she's way too young. It is to young. Die. And, um, I, I think when, um, a couple years ago, Maisie, uh, Maisie broke her foot and was at urgent care with her and with Olive and, 
uh, it was taking a long time. Maisie was very scared and in a lot of pain. And um, so I was like kind of trying to distract them and just talking about things. And I wrote the date down and it happened to be my dad's birthday. And I said, today is my dad's birthday. And I said, how old would he would be? <laughs> I was like, he would be 80 today. Or Maisie asked how old he mm -hmm. would be. I said he would be 80 today. And Olive goes, wow, it is a good thing he died. Because <laughs> if he was still alive, he would be really old. <laughs> it just am like, well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> glass half full for Olive. Uh, <laughs> or but half it dead. is, I mean, this was a big... I th I mean I just feel like 30 years is yeah. It, this is the thing I was like telling, you know, some of the people that I met um when we were in like a mom's group together with Johnny. I'm like I've known you longer than I knew my dad. Like that really puts it in perspective. Like sure. um well think about how long you and I've been together and I and I never met him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, I probably saw him at a school function or something, but you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just weird because it's just like so long since I had a conversation with him. Like sometimes I'm like, did, did he actually live or was that like. Christy, I've had those thoughts about people still alive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever like. God damn it, buddy. Why are you alive? Because he's so cute. <laughs> uh, but just like these thoughts of like, I don't know, pick a person. What do they look like? What do they really look like? And you start spinning in your head of like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's fucked up anyway, even for alive people. Yeah. As far as memories go. It is. I mean, it is. It's just so. But I think. What? <sighs> One thing about kids in this time is, like, to me, everything my kids are doing right now is the saddest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's, you know, Olive had a birthday. People drove through and dropped off presents. And it was, I was just like, this is so sad. They're not living their life. They don't have any activities. When they when school was over, we decorated our car and we like drove through this line. It, the kids were every kid that I have talked to, like from the school. I mean, it was the best thing ever. They thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was tearing up. I know it was. It's like it's like this. It's to me. I'm like they're not having their. It's just not what you're supposed to do with your childhood. You know what I mean? You're not supposed to. But my point is, uh, Olive had a fine time with her drive-thru birthday party. All the kids enjoyed the drive-thru school graduation. And so it, a lot of it, in the same way that, like, if you have kids when you're 20, you're more you're more equipped to handle it when you have kids when you're 38 because <laughs> you have less life you don't have a routine of like this is what i normally do They're, a kid's not breaking your routine you were sleeping in your your mom's bed two years earlier do you know what i mean yeah and, and in some ways it's like 
you and I are looking around like, this is fucked. Life's not the same. They can't go to school. They don't have any activities. They're going to be messed up socially. And like, Olive has had nine summers her whole life. This is her ninth summer. Yeah. <laughs> this is one out of nine summers. She doesn't remember most of them. She's not. Don't get me wrong. If she could flip a magic switch and go back to the previous life, she would. But she's not waking up every day like, this sucks. This stinks. No. You know, and even all the way up to our 18-year-old son. I mean, he's more aware because he's... Jesus, buddy. He needed a little nibble. But it is... Do you know what I mean? I find myself being sad on behalf of things I don't even need to take responsibility for. I know, for, I know. You know? I do that, you know. Um, yeah, and they're... They're, they're kind of moving along and they're just kind of, it is. And they're starting to hang out a little bit with friends. Little and, bits. And we went. Know, there's things that are, that's stressful for us because we're like, are we doing the right thing? Should we be wearing this? Are we, you know what I mean? Some friends are like, we got to stay six feet apart. And some other people are like, oh, who gives a shit? And it's like, we have to make all these decisions. But for them, I don't think it's that stressful of a situation but it's it's uh you know i i do think i find myself you know taking that on and then i'm like i don't even need to they're not even right you know they're fine yeah yeah i mean, I mean they'll be is. fucked up on the other end of this too but it's 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 just this weird thing where it's like yeah it's that stuff is really sad to me but it's also if they're not sad about it, why am I sad about it? You know, I, I can't. Well, and that's the thing, like, I I always kind of remind myself, and I'll talk with other people about this as well, um, is to not, not, like, put our experience on to somebody else. And, um, you know, for years, like, I would drive by like drive home from the store and I would see Johnny like on the playground during recess playing alone. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just about killed me. And I would talk to him about recess and he'd be like, Oh, I don't want to play with other people. I want to play alone. I like playing alone. I get to think up stories and he's yeah. like truly an introvert. And, um, you know, I mean, he and I have talked so many times where he's just like, I really like being alone. I don't. And and that's like, I, I would always remind myself, like, he's fine. And we're writing, we're, we, in our brain, we write the story for them. Yeah. And, and I, they're, they're not always living in that story. And the thing that makes them sad is probably shit we're not even thinking about right now. Right. You know? And I mean, I... He, in sixth grade, like, towards the end of sixth grade, he he came to me and he said that he was a little lonely at school. He wished he had a friend. And, and then, you know, and that was the first time he ever wanted that. Mm -hmm. And we talked about, like, 
ways to you know find a friend but it sounded too overwhelming to him and then th the next year he got a teacher who connected him with his friend that he's still friends with and right. but i um i just think of that like yeah that like we we do this to our kids like let them ha like it's fine if you're sad about it like I mean, I, it's hard. It's hard as a parent to watch your kid playing alone and not have all your feelings come up. Yeah, absolutely. But I've, I've just constantly, and I think the same for this is like, my kids are so much more resilient, which is good. Like, you know, for me, like, I think like if you have a parent die, I mean, it's never going to be like, it's great. It's amazing, you know, but it's, um, it can go a lot better than the experience I had. And, and that kind of was my thing was to like, always be able to help my kids process things, but also to teach them how to like honor their feelings and process things. And because we do know enough now to know that that will will create a more resilient human. And so I think part of it is like us having always been open with our kids and, you know, just this, they, they're just kind of like, we let them be sad for them. It was the hardest was when the plays started getting canceled. Yeah. But then after that passed, they were just like, well, it's also, you know, like if our kids are fighting or they're anxious or whatever, you know, and it's like, well, you know, we're all having a hard time. We're all cooped up. But the, re the reality is when life was in February <laughs> before all this shit, that same stuff happened. We just didn't label it. Right. With, uh, you know, <laughs> and it, it does, you know, it's hard to... I've had a very uh, lofty life, not financially, but I mean, the things I've wanted have always been ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I was in a band. Right. I was, uh, and then I was a comedian, still I'm a comedian, just less than I used to be. <laughs> but it's like, I'm having I'm having a hard time. You know, the, this isn't a lofty time. This isn't no. a time of like, yeah, maybe fuck it. I'm really gonna go for my dream. It's not unless you're, and that's it's hard to like. You know, I sort of wish. You know, I think I told that to you. I, in some ways, I wish this would have happened when I was like thirty, because I could have. <laughs> gotten a real job and yeah. maybe had a better life. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and so now at 46 to be like, well, should I go work for UPS or do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I, I would rather have these conversations on my head when I was fucking 28. Mm -hmm. I should have done this when I was 28 when we had a kid, but I was so stupid. I'm like, no, I got to go middle for someone for $200, <laughs> you know, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, do you know, but yeah, I know you don't have to make a comment. I already know, but it's, it's just like, so it's hard to like, you know, 
like I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think, but I don't know what, I don't know what my field's going to be like for the foreseeable future. And so it's like, you know, I don't think it's the point where I'm like, fuck comedy is never happening again. I literally have several shows coming up the next few weeks, but it's, it's hard to figure out. Um, you know, I'm not waking up thinking about comedy. I'm not, I've written a few things. I'm trying to write my book, but it's like, it's not like in normal times, something funny happens in a conversation. I'm like, I should try that on stage. But I'm just not in that mindset mm-hmm. right now. And so it's hard. I'm like, I got a foot in a couple of worlds right now. And it, so it's like really appealing to me to not have that. Do you know? Yeah. And I don't get me wrong. If I, I would, I know that I would not like it if I just quit comedy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, I told you, I've been, I'm on YouTube watching like a day in the life of a FedEx driver. <laughs> Which, by the way, they have so many more views than I've ever had on anything on YouTube. But it's just like, and in my head, I'm like, yeah, I could fucking do that. Although the money's not great. But anyway, my, you know what I mean? It's like, it's hard for me to like, whatever your goals and plans were in February, they're not the fucking same now. I guarantee they're not the same now. No. So, no matter what field you're in. And so I, it's, no. you know, I, the, I've had the very vague goal since I was 26 uh-huh. to get better at comedy. Uh-huh. And like, I don't have that goal right now. No. Because there's not enough comedy for me to get better. And when I've done shows, it's been great and I feel funny and I'm, you know, I can still do it. But it's just like, you know, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird time to shut down goals and expectations and no matter what, you wanted to do even if whatever if you wanted to get married if you wanted it there's nothing that's oh, I know. I that's know not that's not changing you know that you know they were supposed to get married at the end of april and they moved the wedding i mean you know i yeah it's just different i mean yeah so it's it's a weird it's a weird even then you know and, and not take comedy out of it even you you're like oh i'm going to do whatever is it considered full time I guess full time. You were like maybe get like a instead of subbing, do a paraeducator job. And, yeah. Or just any little thing like that. I had like applied that. for a job like literally the day before everything closed. I had turned in my application. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's a weird, it's weird to like, that's the limbo of like, um, I, you know what I'm doing right now is what I always probably I was so afraid to do is have a job and do comedy part time. To me, that sounded like death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and now I'm actually doing it, and it's not death, but it's like just that. Um, because I knew if I didn't. I wasn't going to get as good as I wanted to get if I only did it part-time. I just knew. Yeah. But that, you know, that doesn't pay off uh, in a pandemic. (laughs) 
Not so much. You know, I'm, I'm not alone, but it's just like, it's one of those things where like, um, you can tell what people think of stand-up comedy because any, any, any big name who's doing a comedy show right now online, people are like, what the fuck are you doing? Do you want to kill people? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, well, yes, it's, there is a, there is a comedy business, but like no one, no one thinks it's essential. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's like, well, wait a minute. Why is Applebee's? No one has to go to fucking Applebee's and they're open. I know. I don't know. You well, don't. now we're in phase three, so they can open. But they were open in phase one for, for well, just to for go. Two, to go. And then in phase two, you can go and, you know, less people can go. But, it, but you know what I mean? No one's ever like, I guess people say that too. Why the fuck do you need to go to Applebee's? But, yeah. You know, it it is a weird, like... uh I get, I get a little uh, weird about that because it's like, I bet when I go to a comedy show, even though it feels weird and scary, uh-huh. I bet I'm less at risk than your typical cashier. Probably. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All day people, I mean, they have a little plexiglass thing, but you know what I mean? Like all day. But yeah. I, but I, and no one has ever no one ever says like why the fuck do you go to work at Safeway every day you know what I mean yeah I mean you just don't have a choice and... yeah I know but uh, it, it is a I guess it's that living day to day thing and comedy's never been day to day it's always the future yeah you know and I was I was it's funny too because like I say I want to do comedy but then like I I I had a show I was gonna do tomorrow just some weird outdoor barbecue and the guy emailed me today and he's like the weather's not going to be great i think we're going to skip it and i was like first thought oh thank god <laughs> thank god you know even though it's, you know what i mean it's like my whole perspective has changed because it it was it's 300 bucks right and i'm in my head i'm like well that's more than 2 days of grocery delivery i'm sad <laughs> because i had been like Oh, and Gabe will be home on Friday, and, like, so I I was supposed to go to coffee tomorrow. But I'm always home. You deliver groceries. Well, I know, but it's like, if you wanted me home more, this you got it. You know what I mean? No, I know, but I mean, I don't know. I just had been thinking you would be home on Friday. You wouldn't be delivering groceries, and I don't know. But it's fine. I mean, it's no, just... No, I know. I know. Um... I mean, I have shows in I have shows in Little Rock, Arkansas, scheduled in August, and I'm like, I guess I'll go if they'll have me. But I'm not. I don't feel great about it. You know, it's weird. Yeah. We'll see. I guess my point is, um, uh, as you can tell from this podcast, I'm having a little trouble being funny right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, I can't. We can't just come on here and like chuckle it up all the time because that's not what's happening. I feel like I'm not funny anymore. Well, I have bad news for you. Just kidding. Please don't. (laughs) Well, no, I'm not. I don't. You know what I mean? I'm not feeling light. And so like, why would a podcast be light? And I'm sorry if you came here for escape in this podcast. And hopefully next one we'll talk about farts or something fun. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I have a few 
fart stories I could share. Well, you know what? Let's save that for next time. <laughs> I probably won't remember them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're done. Uh, we have a, uh, we do not have a Patreon. No. Uh, but if you would like to be a financial supporter of this podcast, you can. I'm not going to talk to you out of it. You can go to, uh, in, in the episode notes, there's a little thing. You can click that says support this podcast for as little as 99 cents a month. You could be a Rutledge reveler. You could be. I kind of feel like they're all revelers, but like some of them are like. They're just better revelers. Oh, man, that's just mean. That's just, you know. I mean, but they are. There's some people when they listen to it, you can listen knowing you're just a, doing a better job at being a relative. I'll say this. If you don't pay to listen to this podcast. It's not as funny. You you can say, mm, I liked this episode. I didn't like that episode. I don't believe, agree with what they thought. Whatever. It doesn't really matter what you think. <laughs> If you pay for this podcast and you're like, I didn't like this episode, your opinion matters more. You know what I mean? You paid oh, for oh, it. Oh, yeah. You paid yeah. for it. Uh, anyway, you don't have to pay. But uh, I, I belong to zero people's Patreons. I support no one. So I understand. Uh, anyway, if uh, you can do that. Or go to RutledgeRadio.com. <laughs> click on the support this podcast. I did have something funny I wanted to. Well, um... it's too late. Go ahead. So, um, this is kind of like a, I don't know. It's just, this is like, so, I mean, if you know me, if oh, you I do. truly know me, you will know what a ginormous fan of The Office I am. Um, I think that's the hard part about you not being on the road is I can't watch The Office as much as I, it's literally never not on. When you're like in the kitchen, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean? I haven't been turning it on because you're like again, and then I feel like I have to turn it off. Well, look, I watch Tiny House Nation. That's a show about tiny houses and inspiration. Um. Anyway, um. So I, it's I, I just love it. I love absolutely every part of it, <laughs> and um. So at my, you know, at my grief group. And at camp, I always like to read them Michael Scott's quote on grief. Um, and so I'm going to read it. Okay. <laughs> he, it's when his old boss, Ed Truck, dies. And he says, I lost Ed Truck and it feels like somebody took my heart and dropped it into a bucket of boiling tears. And at the same time, Somebody else is hitting my soul in the crotch with a frozen sledgehammer. And then a third guy walks in and starts punching me in the grief bone and I'm crying and nobody can hear me because I'm terribly, terribly, terribly alone. And it's the most ridiculous, right? It's so crazy. I thought you said this was a funny story. It is. Okay. Like, not funny, haha, but... um. But it's 100% true. I mean, it's just like, so true. And, um, and I always like, you know, with my some of my um, friends from camp, 
also are huge office fans and we talk about like what an amazing quote that is and then it just like really sums up the grief experience so i'm listening i listen to the um the office ladies podcast and they like go over an episode and like talk about it and this week or well i'm a little behind so last week they were talking about that um episode when he says that and here's the crazy thing um they have like the script like they've they've saved the script so they're like looking at the script um um steve carell who played michael scott he improved that that whole like paragraph isn't that crazy like yeah. how would you come up with that i don't understand how how people could just come up with something like that i don't know he's a good actor and a good improver i yeah i just i i'm totally blown away at the idea of like where would you even pull that out of your brain like i don't know I mean, he's no John Travolta, apparently. No. I'm afraid to hear what John Travolta would say. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but maybe uh, he just pulled on his own experience. That's what you do when you... I mean, I'm not an improver, but... I, I, no idea. I'm not an improver. But even, even in stand-up comedy, <laughs> I'm often like... Things I say, not that they're like profound because I'm trying to be funny, but it's also like... When I listen later to the recording, I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just like, because something will come up in the crowd that you had no idea was going to come up. It's not like I prepare. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Someone will say something about whatever, a bowl of ice cream, and all of a sudden I'm on some bowl of ice cream riff. It's not like I woke up that day thinking, oh, I better prepare my bowl of ice cream material, but here we are. Do you know what I mean? You don't even know what goes on in your fucking brain. That shit just comes out. It's weird where that stuff just lives Which there. is why Kramer yelled the N-word at people. Sometimes bad stuff comes out. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. I just am, like, so fascinated by, like, how would that even come out? And, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Look. I think we're done. Uh, thanks for uh, sharing some time with us, getting through our couples therapy. That was couples therapy? <laughs> Not good. Oh. <laughs> no, we're just talking about shit. Um, I also feel like this isn't the time for couples therapy. <laughs> I'm going to wait for the next pandemic. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for being here. And remember, you can't unlisten. We're the Rutledges. Rutledges. We're the Rutledges. Rutledges. We're the Rutledges. We've got a podcast.